0: Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carroway. And Lisa Pace. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavides, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing hunt.
1: Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing.
0: Radio.
2: Welcome to It's an Amazing Radio. I'm Doctor Law. Got kid presentable back, and we mentioned it, man. What we can only have, we like, we always thought that somebody in Asia. Mike's gone. He said he's not doing the show, so like, he might be gone again. He, we we might have lost him. Nonetheless, we still got DJ Mark here. Mark, I mean, that's the rule, right? We established this.
1: Oh yeah, one of us has to be in Asia at all times. now. Yeah, we have a just... base over there.
2: This <laughs> it's, 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 it's an Amazing Field Office. We're opening up. You know, not
0: in Tokyo, some village on the side. But it's nice, man. You said you don't hear about One FC every time I turned on a TV. One FC was on. That's what 1FC Mike said. He was always going in Asia.
2: Yeah, that's what Mike was saying. Also, like One FC, big deal. Um, guy steps back. Um, back from his trip. He's gonna be giving us a good amount of. He's got some stuff. Got a lot of stuff he likes in Asia and America. He's getting his America on this last week. Getting caught up. Man's already seen Justice League. I ain't seen Justice League. Why? Because Mark's a horrible person, didn't invite me. Um, kids, let's uh, let's get into this. Uh, UFC was in Fresno, which Marcus and I debated how far it was from us. Mark, did you look this
1: up ever? No, you're right. You're it's closer like, to three hours closer than to and three. And I don't know what I was thinking. I was, yeah, I, I, I like, was thinking Sacramento.
2: Yeah, because Mark, Seth, you you Mark said like, yeah, it's like three hours round trip, and I'm like. Uh, man, I know, I, I know you were just in the car, and I was driving last time, but it's way farther than that. <laughs> oh, no. We got to
0: go deep into that Central Valley.
2: <sighs> There's a part but, uh, where we're just— get some,
0: You get some fresh produce along the way. That's
2: true. Um, all right, guys. Uh, so uh mentioned this UFC card was in Fresno, uh, which is in uh, Central California, which doesn't get any publicity because, well, it doesn't need it. Um, I'll be bagging on Fresno a little bit, folks, um, because they really didn't— uh, They They got a good card here. Um, and they didn't deserve it because that crowd was garbage. Um, First, before we get too far into this, if you live in Alabama, there's an opportunity for you to go to the polls today. It's today, when you get this. No, they or get it t- it's Tuesday. Okay. It's in Tuesday. I'm not going to tell you how to vote, but you know you guys have that impression of people in San Francisco, you know, a bunch of hippies, smoke a bunch of weed and all that stuff. I don't know if that's the only thing. Okay, whatever love. you guys got. Uh, we have this love impression stuff. of Alabama... And there's, an, and there's an opportunity for you guys to fight against that, all right? Or you could lean right into it, and anything anybody says about your state for a while is pretty much justified.
0: <laughs> oh, man, I see a lot of people doubling down in Alabama. And, uh,
1: <laughs>
0: that just is on my list of flyover states. There is no reason for me to ever enter that territory. Man, I, and that's what we're dealing with right now. This, did I just, you guys
1: hear about what they did with him? Like, he's been kind of keeping quiet for a while. And I guess they released a video where a 12-year-old girl is interviewing him. It's like, why? Who would trust that man with a child? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Did you read the headlines?
2: I just like the part where he
1: said, we don't need the amendments like it's after 10. He doesn't need the it amendments sounds after like 10. Idea. He's like, you know what we should do? Let's get a young... Nice, pretty little girl in here. And he's like, no, no, you sex offender. Get these children away. Alleged, you. alleged, alleged,
2: alleged. Yeah, alleged. yeah I mean, let, let, we, we, let's ignore the alleged part. My man said he doesn't. The man calls the Native Americans reds and Asians yellows, and said that we don't need amendments after ten, which includes the abolishment
1: of slavery and yeah. all your states' yeah. rights
2: well, and all the rights you have.
1: You know, <laughs> Go ahead. one of the things this little girl asked him was like, something like, "How would you?" you know be a good senator and he's like you know i would uphold the constitution it's like no you won't you only uphold the top 10 and then all like the stuff where you actually progress as a country you're like nah forget that stuff i don't want people voting besides white men it's like all right dude get out of here
2: i'm just saying that like you know the due process you get in the fifth amendment gets to the states with the 14th it's like half of law school man It's the 14th amendment i'm just saying anyway um garbage yeah ufc fight night out in fresno happened um, I say it was a good card. The part I watched, I enjoyed. Um, as usual, I was bummed out that uh, Luke Sanders lost because it made Becky Lynch sad, and I like Becky Lynch. Seems like a swell gal. But important thing that came out of this, uh, we got ourselves a featherweight contender. Um, Brian Ortega went out there and uh, T City, uh, won the way T City wins, man. Uh, he got him in a he got him in a slick guillotine choke. At the end of the first round, it looked like Cub was in some serious trouble with the Anaconda choke, but the bell kind of saved him there. Um, The guillotine choke, just to give you an idea of the squeeze Ortega has, uh, Cub's like, Cub said, It felt like I was going to die. Marcus, um, Brian Ortega's right there, man. You beat Cub Swanson. You deserve a title shot. Yeah, (laughs) no, I mean, I
1: kind of, you saw the whole fight, right, Bobby? Yeah, and it was, I I do want to pick your brain. You know, I, I think you know we talked about this fight last week we all kind of thought cub would just take the standing um and, and with that mindset it was this was kind of fight like ah, i don't really need to watch this I, i've seen Cub perform and i know what he's good at and we've seen ortega perform but i kind of want to get kind of your analysis bob with like how brian looked on his feet how did that first round go was he able to get him down was he able to implement his jiu-jitsu well it seems like he definitely had some times where he was able to do some catches but i honestly I mean, don't remember
2: how they got to the ground
1: because, But on the feet, it looked like Cub was starting to string some shit together,
2: and um, it at some point, I guess they got to the mat somehow, and Cub was, I thought, was winning, to be honest. I mean, it wasn't, again, it looked like he was feeling shit out, and he was trying to get his, you know, Cub was just trying to get himself going, and Brian was holding, you know, his own fairly admirably, but the man knows what he's good at, and, like, he hunted for the anaconda and um and then in the second round Marcus you caught that thing where like he pushed off the cage with his foot yeah, to get yeah. to secure the gate thing that was slick as hell <laughs> yeah
1: i mean there is no denying that like when this dude's on the ground his grappling is of the highest level i mean the biggest question mark for me is just you know how does he do you know in the stand up how does he do in the transition of getting those takedowns cuz we'll talk about a fight where we had another guy who's really good at grappling and you know his ineptitude in how to set up those takedowns cost him the fight and probably some years off his life, and we'll talk about uh, Sterling in a second here, but that's really because, I mean, let's be realistic, Bob. You know, Ortega probably next in line or in the short. Well, no, this is the thing.
2: Ortega, five. we we all kind of, like, everybody was under the assumption that it's Frankie Edgar's title shot. Um, right. And Ortega has one fight left on his UFC deal. But what Ortega did is after the fight, he says, this is a big win for me, but I don't think I deserve this more than Frankie Edgar. I don't think I I, sh- I, I would jump him. Which I think is a nice thing to say, I wouldn't. I would try to get that shit because I don't think anybody's trying to be nice to anybody in this sport. Um, but he said, I don't deserve this necessarily yet. And, I mean, it kind of sounded like he was okay waiting because Frankie wants to fight in uh, February or March.
1: Which well, Do you think Ortega would wait for that title fight or do you think he'd take another fight in the interim? Well, I think he's got Not to negotiate that contract, a new contract, he said. and they a... Cause, I mean, I think if he fights a top five guy or something... And he wins he's kind of undeniable at that point as a number one contender and i think he has more you know leverage in the negotiations uh and and you know i kind of agree with his own assessment because i mean cub's a great feather in his cap but i mean frankie's caps just line with that shit. you know he's 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 been fighting guys of of uh cub swanson's stature for you know five six years at this point and ortega's kind of just getting into the scene so i think it's fair that even his own assessment, he says, like, yeah, I probably need at least one more big win before I get there. But I mean, the dude is undefeated, and do you remember, Bob? Has all of his wins been uh by I think some he's got he's in? got
2: five he got a knockout in there. He's got five win he's got five finishes, and he's okay. also got the no contest, which we saw his first UFC fight. Because my man pissed hot for Stano alone, which is right there, Steph, next to mm. that all which uh I don't know. I guess, you know, trying to be an action fighter and all that stuff, trying to make us forget that, but it is on his record. Man's got a no contest up there, but I don't know. I think that might've been pre
1: USADA. So now like, how many decisions does he have? And I'm looking at his record now. And since coming to the UFC, besides that overturn, you know, he's finished all his fights. So that's pretty impressive, you know. And there's yeah. a couple names here. You know, it's not like he's completely devoid of. Dude, you know, I mean, guys. He, I think he beat some good
2: guys, man. These aren't bad. people. I mean, Steph—they're beat- bad. They're—they're
1: they're not top I mean, tier, right? Like Steph, Clay Guida I mean, and uh, Diego. They're not top tier. Well, guys. I mean, like, this is the,
2: these are the guys you fight on your second, third. I mean, like Steph, oh, yeah. we're talking about—he's got wins over Tiago Tavares. He's got Diego Brandao. He's got Clay Guida. Henato um, Ren- Moicano, I don't think we're as familiar with necessarily, but Cubs Watson. All the man can do is win and win impressively, right? I mean, he can only ask so much from the, the man.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, Cub, Cub was one of those guys who was kind of always there at the line. He 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 was always missing that one win to get him the title shot. But going back to his own record, his last loss was Max Holloway. You know, he's like, the last time I let a young buck get by me, that kid's the champion now. And I mean, I was even just going to project and jump the gun on it. Maybe you let Frankie go first, because if Frankie pulls it off, Frankie's a better matchup for Brian Ortega than Max Holloway is. You know? He'll have size, reach, range, and Frankie's more likely to grapple with him. I have a hard time seeing him get in on Max. Steph, All-way get a little Max. bit closer
2: to your microphone, please.
0: Oh, so, yeah, Ma- Max, you know, he's kind of entering generational mode right now mm. with that crazy ass winning streak. Like, if he was to rematch Connor, would I feel confident about picking Connor? I'm not sure. Max took him to a decision. You know, granted, you know, they say Connor had his ACL and all that. That said, I got some venting to do about Connor in a minute since uh, his name is being thrown in the hat with a certain Filipino. So I feel like I have to give my Filipino hot take on that a little bit later. Um, oh, okay. Um, We're got to have a special Brian, segment
2: for that. <laughs> I forgot about that shit. Uh,
0: <laughs> but, I mean, Brian Ortega's on a great path. And, yeah, why not wait? He—, he I think um, from what I read and from what you said, Cub was winning on the feet, you know. And if, say, Holloway gets through Frankie, he's going to need to shore that up. So why not take more time, you know? Um, the only reason I think,
2: honestly, I think, like, there's, a, there's the matchup thing. But there's also, I think, Max just kind of, like, throws himself in danger a lot, man. I don't know. Like, Frankie, I feel, at least will be running around. It'd be hard for him to find him. I mean I I see your point. Max is on it. Max is on fire. I get your point. Yeah. Max
0: is durable as hell though. So like right now he can stand there, you know. He was taking Aldo's best shots. You know, in the two fights against Aldo, that was in his strategy was to weather furious Aldo for two rounds. And he could do it. And I don't think Ortega hits harder or hits better than that, so it's it's tough for me to think there's not a giant gulf between the two standing up right now.
2: Um also a new contender here. Um And he was right there anyway, but Marlon Marais um, need Aljamain Sterling. And he admitted he was going for a high kick and Aljo like dove into an E. He need him so hard. Aljo, one leg went up stiff and then it looked like he was dabbing and then we cut away. And then we got that thing where they raise the guy's hand, but he's on the center of the octagon because there's a man laid dead in the middle of the octagon. With, uh and then you know they u f c doesn't u f c runs production, so God forbid they tell us what's going on with a man who just got knocked unconscious, so we were just reading stories on Twitter that a man that he got uh, Aljo got stretchered out wasn't awake says so all that um that aside Marlon Moraes deserves himself a title shot folks, and the people who say there's two ends of this, there's two sides to this thing um Steph, I'll go to you first on this where we're talking about the TJ and DJ fight, you know, the uh, Dillashaw-Mighty Mouse fight, which sounds like it's happening, allegedly, though a certain mouse wants to get paid. Um, People make the point, man. TJ didn't do what might... I mean, the one end of it is we all want to see Mighty Mouse fight TJ Dillashaw because Mighty Mouse beat everybody else up in that way, class. The other end of it is TJ Dillashaw hasn't beaten anybody. Um, He just got the belt, and there are contenders for him to fight. Um... Which way, I mean, I guess we've seen both arguments, stuff, but which way do you lean? I mean, what do you want? What do you think needs to happen?
0: I I, I want the DJ fight because that's for DJ's sake. That has mm-hmm. nothing to do with TJ. It's that we need DJ to have some compelling challengers. But for the people in the Bantamweight division, I get it. You know, uh, I'm sure Cody is going to want to get back for his rematch. I think he has to probably win one to get there. But Marais, you know, this is a big win for him. But we're, we haven't even mentioned Jimmy Rivera. Rivera's been sitting there for yeah. a hot minute, and that guy looks great. That guy looks fantastic. That guy really shed some light on the dirty. Yeah, guy he's, got a, um,
2: he's got a. He's uh, got a fight in a couple weeks, I think, because uh, he was going to fight. Uh, somebody got hurt, and then he's fighting somebody a lesser opponent. I forgot who he was going to fight, but he's right there also. And uh, Rafael Sanchez is right there too. Nobody talks about Rafael Assangeau. Um so you, which and way if, I mean, I mean what if, wa- if Dominic
0: ever can, his body can hold up, he's still somewhere in there as well. Yeah,
2: 135 is insane. And um, it's just, and Marcus, I think it's like, it's a combination of like, we all kind of want shit to get back to normal on some level here. Because, come on, man, we got contenders and belts and let's, let's defend the fucking belts. Um, And the other end of it is TJ Dillon shaw versus Demetrius Johnson just sounds like a good time.
1: Uh, yeah, no, I mean, uh, yeah, like you guys were alluding to, it, it's, that super fight isn't for Dillashaw, who, I mean, Bobby, I think you misspoke, I mean, TJ's beaten a lot of guys, he hasn't defended I mean, the belt, like 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 I think got, he I to, I mean, some, I mean, some that, of the guys you even named, Sun he had two fights with him, they were both really close, he won one, he lost one, but no, you're, you're right in the assessment that, yeah, I mean, my, you know of, what I meant, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of interesting, there's a lot of interesting matchups, and a lot of these guys he has tangled with, like, uh, Marlon that we're talking about here, um, and then uh, Jimmy Rivera. So yeah, that super fight would really be for DJ because he's lacking incredible opponents because he's been champion forever. and he's, he's that, that division has been demolished at this point. You know, it's just rubble with people that he's already broken that are maybe getting a second chance at him. So, but yeah, I mean, Marvin looks great. I think him and TJ would be awesome. I don't, it's, I don't know what the rankings are. So I don't know where the pecking order is. I have to imagine that he's jumped up a bit but I still think his debut where he lost a razor close decision to uh, a Sun Sao. And I feel like that was the same kind of fight TJ fought. It's like when you fight a Sun in Brazil and it's close, he wins. That's just it. That's just it. You fight him well, in, honestly, Brazil nobody in Brazil middle get the year.
2: Nobody looks that on only time I have no one's looked good beating Hopai La Sun I don't think, since like Faber did it at like
1: WC twenty.
2: Like he just yeah, like, it, it's hard like, to look good like, beating
1: him. Yeah, there, there's definitely some guy, no, I don't think it was Clear, it was someone else. He's definitely had, in the past, there's definitely fights where he kind of dropped them and he didn't look that great, but when he's really coming to his own, yeah, he's been hot and tough. I mean, the other guy doesn't look good beating him, This is the problem yeah, too. <laughs> yeah, they're super close and, you know, but I, I still think, you know, I thought uh, Marais barely beat him in Brazil, and I thought TJ in their first fight just did enough to squeak away, but in Brazil, I think he gets a little bit of, you know, an extra point or something there. And it's more than enough to kind of – I mean, they listen. weren't robberies. In fairness, they weren't robbers, no, either no, one they were of them. robberies. They were super close in, in both cases. I thought the other guy did a little bit more, but, you know, the judges saw it differently. It is what it is. But, yeah, no, uh, Dillashaw has a ton of guys. and I mean, that division is bubbling hot right now. So, yeah, uh, I mean, TJ wants the DJ fight because it's a big paycheck for both of them. I think when you have a super fight like that, you know, it's going to bring in more eyes. It's going to get more media attention. It's At going to get us more hype. What's that? At least we hope it can bring in more eyes. I have to I have to imagine at least some. I mean, because I'll be more excited about it, and I think that'll kind of trickle into some of the maybe casual fans. I think that's the toughest thing. I think the hardcore fans really want it, because I, like we've talked about so many times with a Mighty Mouse, like we just need a challenge. I, I need a fight where when we're going into it, I'm not sure he's not going to obliterate this guy. And there's been a couple where I'm like, maybe Dodson can do better the second time. I mean, he obliterates him. It's like there's no challenge. I want to see that guy challenge, and I think you know it it sucks because the only challenge I see is like this dude has to fight bigger men because men his size cannot compete with him. So it is it is what it is. We'll see if that fight comes to fruition. We talk about it almost every week because it's a dream matchup that could actually happen while these guys are still in their prime. But um, you know, uh, Mighty Mouse, you know, wants to get you know paid a lot, and it's kind of a tough scenario for both. I mean, look, Mighty Mouse isn't in the wrong for wanting to take a lot of money for going up a weight division and being massively you know undersized for that. At the same time, like the UFC brass, as much as we like to hate them, and, you know, there's a lot of reasons too, you can also see their side of the story where it's like, this dude doesn't move the needle that much. So if we're going to pay him millions of dollars, are we going to get, you know, our money back? And at this point in the UFC's kind of hierarchy with the new management, it's all about that bottom line. If they're going to be able to recoup what they put in, well, I mean, and also, if it's a risk, the, I don't think they're going to take it. We know what else? with Money Mouse also, I bet, I bet honestly the, the UFC is like, look, you're on
2: the same pay-per-view structure. But do you really think Mighty Mouse Johnson trusts the trusted UFC enough to
1: fucking promote him now? Like, they're going to promote never, him now. I mean, that's another 22 thing. Is like, you know, does Mighty Mouse, does he not draw because he's just a small guy and those guys don't tend to draw well? Or is it just like the UFC has not pushed this guy enough with, you know, good marketing and get him in the right eyes to kind of, you know, get a larger fan base for him? It, it, and the answer is kind of hard. You don't really have a clear state answer. Like, oh, if they marketed him more, he would sell a lot more. Maybe, but maybe not too, because he is smaller. Want- and these guys have a big personality, like Conor McGregor, just don't tend to really grab fans like the heavier weights do, which I think is unfortunate, because dude's the most skilled athlete in the UFC, and he gets you know a fraction of the credit he deserves, especially for all the things he's accomplished. Um, Steph. Just real quickly,
2: just tell me if I'm crazy or not for thinking this. I honestly would rather watch Mighty Mouse Johnson fight Dominic Cruz again than to watch him fight either TJ or Cody Garbrandt. Am I nuts? I honestly want to see what happens now that he's gotten this much better.
0: Um, I don't think it's nuts because you can make a fair argument for all three of them. Because as we said when we saw TJ win, maybe this is just a rock, paper, scissor thing. Like... One beats the other, beats the other, beats the other. You know, we don't have enough test samples to prove anything else. Because as close as TJ thought his fight with Dominic was, that was a classic Dominic one-sided decision. You know, <laughs> um, and I'm interested in that fight still because we've already seen the loss. I'd love to see him run it back because I'm I'm nervous for Dominic. His body is just breaking down more and more. I don't. I know mean, his hands, his it. hands
2: broke in their first fight. That's why Dominic
0: started shooting. It wasn't just because he's bigger. He's like, my hand broke. I gotta go get him. <laughs> It truly, I think, wait, to your point, I don't think it's crazy, because I'd want to watch Mighty Mouse fight anything. I'd watch, I'd want Mighty Mouse to just move up. I'm just ready for fresh matchups. They don't need to be for belts. I'm not, I'm not interested in belts, you know, because that's what this current, you know, era has taught me. Belts don't matter that much. I want to see the matchup. And, yeah, give me any one of those guys, because they're all fresh challenges. They're all, you know, it is a size disadvantage, but... We've seen Mighty Mouse be this massive favorite for so long now it'd be kind of interesting to see him either you know regress back to the to the median or even slightly be an underdog in some of these fights so um I think all of them are compelling so there's no wrong answer there
2: um yeah also on this card uh jason Knight fought i'm i'm a big I'm a big fan of watching Jason Knight fight, but he looked really not good in this and then he bit his opponent at one point that was weird. Oh, I um, didn't
0: see this fight. This is the one thing I saw, and he—he's normally so fingers. much better. He's normally so—I mean, it wasn't a
2: bad fight, but like, like his nickname is Hick, is Hick Diaz. Like he just throws down, and he didn't look that—he uh, didn't
0: look that great in this one, to be honest, man. Um, yeah, he bit the guy's finger, and then he poked him in the eye. That was just a—that uh, was a real. Uh, what was that one guy who couldn't stop cheating?
2: Costas Philippou. Uh, there he or, is. Or yeah, <laughs> or Mark's guy. Uh, Dirty I'm Bob trying. Driver, that's what I yeah. The more modern version of us Philippou, we always bring up Philippou, Philippou was a good fighter and all, But like, in the Tim Boach fight I swear like, he headbutted him He poked him in the eye, and he kicked him in the dick All within like a round And then he won, that was it Um, uh, Worth mentioning, Frank Trigg Worked as a referee In this card, and it was I, I oh. like that man I did uh, not know that, alright Yeah, Fair Frank enough. Trigg has had to fight He had to fight, uh he fought, you know, he did 500 fights before he did a UFC
1: fight. Um, seems fair. And that he uh, more fair they than asked he him. It's not like this dude doesn't know the sport. Like he Well, literally do you know what it is? Honestly,
2: he said, he said he failed the first time he took the test. He said it wasn't easy. Yeah. He says, honestly, it's not easy. And then he said, what's interesting was they said, this is how you make money. He says, there's no money doing this. He says, I do it because I want to give back. He says, I love this sport. I want it to get better. And I'm like, man, good job, Frank. <laughs> well done. Um, he did a fine job in the Benito Lopez Albert Morales fight. Um, Alexis Davis uh, won, but it looked like a creature was growing off the side of her head, the size of that fucking bumper, or hematoma, whatever's going on there. Um, and I thought Frankie Signs is better than being the first fight on Fox Sports One on a card like this. But I feel like there think- was a the time we were talking about him being being good, and oh, he lost a lot of
1: fights. That'll do it. Okay, <laughs> yeah well, I think too, like we we kind of talked about it off air and then kind of shadowing the card on air, but there's not a lot of it wasn't a lot of name value on this card, but I guess you know what you more or less you told me, Bobby's like these are some kind this is more like an up and comers kind of card, and there was some kind of credible matchups going on. We just weren't super tuned in because it wasn't the names that kind of get us excited right like i, I there's some guys here that might be something in a couple of years, but right now they're really not much to talk about, so it's kind of an I don't know, kind of like a, a new challengers kind of card, if you will. Steph, this Fresno crowd would not
2: stop doing one thing—the fucking Ric Flair woo. Um, that, that's got to stop, man. <laughs> just saying. I,
0: uh, yeah, I mentioned to you off air, Bob. Uh, for me personally, there is nothing that makes me think a crowd is worse than that woo chant. When they just start doing that for no reason, I think this is a bad city, and the UFC should never return here again. That is my feeling on every crowd that does that.
2: Um, honestly, it's... It's... Unless Ric Flair's there. Which one time Ric Flair was there. Okay. If Ric Flair is there, go nuts. But no, don't do that. Um,
0: my issue with it, Bob, just to clarify, is people do it just to fill space. They don't do it in, as a reaction to anything. They just start doing it, and it's what I hate when every crowd and if you've ever been to a sporting event, you've been by this fan—the guy who thinks they're the show. They think they're there to practice their stand-up. They think they're there because everyone wants to hear their comments on everything. That's what the woo guy is. They think All right. they are the show, not the fight. This, not this the is, sport. and I can't, I cannot stand that kind of fan.
2: Folks, this is a spoiler alert for what we're going to. This is—I mean—we're about to talk about this when we talk about we do memoirs of a fight fan, crowds in general. Um, Dave Doyle of MMA Fighting had a wonderful line. Um. I think it was during, I think, the Davis and Carmouche fight or something where he said, um, if I was going to pick a place that would boo because the head kicks and flying knees stopped for like 30 seconds, Fresno would be pretty high on the list. Dude nailed it. That is a fair description of that Fresno crowd. Okay. That was, uh, that, yeah. He also said Fresno, the crowd from 2006. Well done. I enjoyed that. Um, yeah, we didn't go to this. Didn't look that good on paper, ended up being good. Um, do I regret not going? Uh, I regret the UFC's inability to put enough fights on this card for me and you know my friends here to drive. Honestly, not that far, like to see this shit. I don't know what's, I mean, come on, guys. Saturday night, make this worth a damn. It's really all we're asking, I think. Um, all right. Uh, some shit happened this week, guys. Um, Marcus. We wanted it, um, we got it. Steve Miocic is defending his title against Francis Ngannou at UFC 220 in Boston, um, January 20th, and from and then the co-main event, Daniel Cormier taking on No Time, baby, No Time Ozdemir, No Time whooping dude's ass in a bar fight, Ozdemir. I mean, we could walk out of this card, Marcus with a really different situation in two weight classes.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think what makes that most exciting is you have two fresh challengers that, you know, I I think at least, you know, have a good shot of winning, uh, you know, the belts uh, come that Saturday because they both have heavy hands and they're just able to land, you know, there's commonality between both those fighters. Like, I mean, I think, I think no time is a little more unique because he doesn't have that kind of physicality. I mean, you look at Nagano and you just imagine like, yeah, this guy could punch holes through people's heads. You look at no time and you're like, yeah, I could see him, you know, being like a mover on the weekends or so, you know, he's not this ripped <laughs> dude. He's just kind of, he doesn't have that, he doesn't have that physique that screams like, yeah, I'm a dangerous man. And even his fights, like, I think I've seen him three times with these like, you know, first minute knockouts and there's nothing about how he like he sets up his strikes or how he throws his strikes or how he stands. There's nothing about him that says like he is guaranteed to always knock a guy out in a minute. The dude just throws his hands. He connects. He wins. And that's a real dangerous, um, you know, circumstance for I think for both champions. Uh, I, I do feel kind of comfortable at least with DC because he has faced a guy kind of like that with Anthony Johnson. You know, someone with a big heavy hand. Um, and he ate a big punch. Um, was able to absorb it and come back we haven't really seen no time like how he does with wrestling and stuff so that could be something if he's not up on it that you know dc could I mean, he's exploit.
2: got he he's got three fucking ufc fights he got a split over osp he knocked out cirkanov in 28 seconds and he knocked out Manawa in 42 seconds
1: i might need to watch that osp that that could be the one that tells the most but well uh, he's got, got mean, a lot I mean, of
2: he's got he's got some bellator fights too man i don't even know this He's he was he got a couple bellator fights in there you know he lost in bellator Surprising. Um, this is his only loss. He lost to Kelly Amundsen at Bellator 115.
1: I mean, my DC <laughs> picking now. I mean, yeah. I, there,
0: there's a big X factor in this for DC. And that was that head kick that he ate from John Jones. Oh, yeah. That is a life altering knockout. You know? That's true.
1: This will be his first fight coming back. So, yeah, I think that's, that's so, fair.
0: Uh, Step a little mean, closer that- to Mike, please. That 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 would be the reason that I would be a little worried. That that might be why I might entertain the ozamir pick more is that kick made me nervous for DC. That was a that was a conversation of should DC retire after that kind of kick after that kind of trauma, and so I mean, um, dude was just
2: in tears. Didn't know where he was afterwards. We, you know, that that, I mean, that yeah, was a I tough mean, one.
0: I, It's a hard pick. But I agree with the physicality point because, um, you know, part of my catching up on America was going back and watching that uh, 219 card. And, yeah, Francis Nagano, he's had this for a while. Do you remember when he got that Kimura just because he wanted to? He didn't have position. Yeah, he
2: grabbed it. Control. He put the guy in while he was standing. <laughs> he he just, just put him on the like, ground.
0: <laughs> I'm just doing this to you now. He has that. He has that physicality I probably have not seen since young Mike Tyson where you are just in fear from the moment he starts moving. Like everything Dude. this man does, this one should put the fear of God in you. And Stepe is a hell of a fighter, but it, it's amazing he gets dropped to me.
2: all the time.
0: It's just amazing to me <laughs> that that's how that's how much this man has momentum right now. Is Nakano's the favorite? He opened as the betting favorite, and I think that's just a testament to what this guy brings but um yeah that that beautiful image which photographer ca- captured it you know was it esther lin or I don't of, think it was M- esther
2: actually I think it might have been the uh Josh I might, might be the AP guy uh, Josh Geddes. I think it was I was that was sick but maybe it was esther of, <laughs> that's
0: one of the most iconic photos I've seen in MMA I I feel like you know there's these memorable shots of Ali I think if if uh, if Nagano wins the belt that shot with Overeen just whipping his head straight back and up, like he got shot by a sniper round. That that was that's a a, amazing shot. So kudos to the photographer that got that one.
2: It might have been, I might have been Esther. Somebody look it up. You know what we're talking about, all right? Hit him with the uppercut from hell. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited for UFC 220. I'm trying to see if there's any if there's other fights for this thing, but they don't. Honestly, I was straight up because I got like I was straight up like, come on, Vegas. That was what I was thinking. I'm like, well, come on, give me somewhere I can go to. I want to see this shit. Then I'm like, Boston in January. Oh, fuck that. <laughs> it is got Cormier, Ozdemir, and Ganustipe, and then a bunch of I don't know what's going on there. All right, Thomas. Okay, it's real thin. <laughs> After that, it gets real thin. Doesn't matter. All right, Coman and Maid are the important fights. It'll be good. Um, another thing that happened. Uh, George St. Pierre is not the middleweight champion anymore. Joe uh, we mentioned George St. Pierre is suffering from uh ulcerative colitis, which sucks. Um, and uh he was gonna be out anyway. But UFC already booked the show in Perth. They want to put Bobby Knuckles on there. They want to be for the real belt. Um, when you're when you got ulcerative colitis put us out there, putting keeping on weight is not easy. So GSP was done at 185, let's be honest here. Um Dana White, before this happened, said he'd be really pissed if GSP didn't defend his belt. I didn't believe him. Honestly, I'm okay with it, man. (laughs) I don't care that he showed up, won the belt, and left. It doesn't bother me as much. Honestly, it probably should bother me a little bit that Bobby Knuckles didn't get a clean transition from Michael Bisping. But this is where we're at, man. If we're like, we have one less champion that's an interim champion, okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't want hurt. to talk ill, but I'm glad we are getting clear of this Bisbing garbage. Ever since he's got the belt, this this whole division just been like a clogged artery with all this good, nutritious blood trying to get through to the top, and we have the Bisbing. no, I'm going to fight Dan Henderson, no, I'm going to fight... It's what is doing to Lightweight right now. It. Look at what? Lightweight right now. That's what we got going on. We got the
2: we got oh. same thing going on in Lightweight right now. Tony having is having an He's having cardiac
1: arrest right now with some of the other divisions and they're champions either holding up for money which i mean we get we get these guys need to get paid but these are still things that are blocking up these championships it's either money's in the way connor's in the way or bisping and trying to get the super fights are in the way there's only a few divisions that are actually kind of flu- or or jones is fucking up it's like each division has its own little nuance except for welterweight it seems like and maybe phantom yeah. weight no you don't like, like welterweight like it's just going Marcus you brought it up Walter Wade. My man Woodley defended that belt
2: four times in a year and got a world gets a world of shit from everybody cuz the fights are a little boring. You know what? He defended it against a number one contender. Okay? That one, he's fighting contenders. Go yeah, ahead, Marcus. I mean, dude, yeah,
1: yeah, Woodley's doing it right. He's at the top of the hill and he's fighting the top seven. I mean, he's trying not to, up. in fairness. He's, not, he's trying not I to. Mean, he, 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 as much as he wants to get the super fights as everyone does, they're not giving it to him. He consistently has to fight Thompson or uh, Damian Maya it's just it's just one after the other and that's what a champion should do I mean look at we all want to see the super fights and every now and then I think when a champion kind of earns it they've cleared out a division like Mighty Mouse has it's time to make those super fights and pay the guys but it's like when you just get the belt and it's like yeah I'm gonna fight ninth ranked Dan Henderson it's like okay dude if this division was dead and there was really no one else for Bisbee to fight that's fine but that division was red hot so I'm glad Bobby Knuckles has. Yeah, but, but In top. fairness,
2: the UFC booked that fight
1: and brought it it's, to well, him. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a UFC problem, really. They're the ones making – I mean, look, all these guys are going to call out whoever they want to call out, but UFC books the fights at the end of the day. But, yeah, I mean, really at the end, you know, when it's all said and done, I'm just I, – I, I hope GSP, you know, is able to recover. And if he wants to continue fighting, he does so either at middleweight or welterweight. But I really want these guys in middleweight who are these top-tier athletes who we all know should be fighting each other. They start fighting each other for the belt. And we saw Bobby Knuckles, he he's, he was one of the guys we weren't talking about all these time. You know, but he scrounged his way up to the very top, knocking out these top guys. And he deserves that belt, and he deserves to fight the rest of the killers out there. So, I think he's fighting Rockhold, right? Yeah, I, I just want to throw this but, out
2: there. I'm not sure Rockhold's the one who deserves the shot in this whole equation.
1: Yeah, I mean, who else is there, though? Uh, Souza? Honestly, I would give it to, to the Weidman or Gastelon. Is it Weidman coming off of a win? What happened there? Wyman came off like two losses. We did not look good. Gastelum, I don't, money, I don't so. know. Gastelum's kind of there. I think. They're
0: all coming off of one win. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. Luke no didn't fight got for a, a year, and than he- than the other.
2: Yeah, but I don't know. Luke beat David Branch. Who had, wasn't in the or wasn't in the organization? Yeah, it wasn't ago. a great comeback. Hey, I'm but. just saying. Dave
0: Branch was killing people outside the UFC. <laughs> yeah. give a little respect to Dave Branch.
2: Yo, as you, I'm not sure you're aware. I'm the only motherfucker waving the World Series of a fighting flag around here. All right. I give he had more two belts. credit
0: to beating Dave Branch than I do to already concussed Michael Bisping, that should not have been in that fight to begin with.
2: Disappoint. That, that's fair. I don't know, man. Maybe,
1: honestly, maybe, why do we need to book this? Maybe two of these guys going to fight each other. We get a number one contender. No, I think Kim and Luke's fine. Th- that's the thing. I don't want to wait anymore for these guys to fight for the belt. This, like I said, division has been clogged up for way too long. We need to get these guys in title fights, winning and losing, and just starting to get these guys getting their shots in already because so many of them have earned it for so long. And it's like you said, Bobby. They've earned it for so long, they have to start fighting each other and eliminating themselves. And now there's no true contender because they've all fought in each other amongst themselves without I mean, finding. How many, right. how many?
2: How many? guys did Max Holloway have to beat before he got a title shot? Now he's beating everybody. He's
0: been. He's had like one defense. <laughs> Bobby, let's take it in defense of Luke Rockhold. Let's take it to the meta picture. What was the best Luke Rockhold that beat Chris Weidman? The lonely Luke Rockhold, who doesn't have a family, who doesn't have anyone. So all he has is training. And what happened in this time? Demi Lovato left him. Made a hit song about it. And she's blowing up. So this is sad, lonely Luke Rockhold. We're getting fighting for the belt. This is gonna be the best Luke Rockhold.
2: <laughs> Wait, a, Stephon's here with the analysis. I like that. That's why. That's why. That's what we missed with Stefan right there. Um, okay. Uh, anything else happen? Real talk. What happened? Stephon, to talk on.
0: about some of the Filipino people.
2: Oh, good. Um, we're gonna. No, we gotta talk about that horse shit. That's what needs to be talked about. Stefan, go. I'll tag him uh, later.
0: Yeah, so supposedly Manny Pacquiao's people have been in contact with Conor McGregor. Um and By
2: the he- way, I don't be- I want to say I don't believe that. But uh, I don't think it's possible, but go ahead.
0: <laughs> if it happened, I'm just going to vent about why this path is uh fruitless in my eyes. I was a big Manny Pacquiao fan kind of out of necessity. He a Filipino kind of right you had to. And I will say, I've been a mark for Conor McGregor. I have defended a lot of his actions. um, But if this Pacquiao-McGregor boxing match came to fruition, this would be me drawing the line. I didn't draw the line at Floyd Mayweather. I wanted that to happen. I was a part of the show for that. You know, we paid into that one. But this would be the line for me. Because let me just set the stage for Pacquiao. Pacquiao is an increasingly irrelevant fighter. What was his last fight? It was for free on ESPN. Why? Because after a string of recent homophobic comments, Nike, the premier, you know, athletic apparel manufacturer in the world, dropped him. He lost all his sponsorship. Manny Pacquiao went from being one of the biggest pay-per-view draws of all time to free on ESPN. Let's think about that. And then he got robbed by a bad decision. And again, with Conor, I got that he was chasing money, but part of me respected him because what I liked about Conor is when you, you know, when you when you peeled back the curtains a little bit, He seemed like he had a real appreciation for martial arts. He seemed he had this appreciation for movement, for combat. I believe that he was putting on a show. But I'm starting to think that he's drowning in his own gimmick now. I'm starting to think that it's gone to his head a little bit now. And he doesn't want to fight anymore. He doesn't want to defend anything. You know, like, okay, I was like, oh, he'll eventually go back and defend his belt. He'll eventually do this. It really doesn't sound like he will anymore. And he's just this mercenary for hire. And I'm losing respect for that. And if he gets into business with Pacquiao, I think he's making himself further irrelevant.
2: I am working under the assumption that this is just him posturing because they're not giving him a number he likes yet. And um, it's the same way. because like the UFC is full of shit. Where first they said Nate Diaz hasn't turned down. Nate Diaz didn't get offered his fight. Then they said, we've been offering Nate Diaz fights left and right. Nate Diaz says the UFC offered him a title fight in any weight class. I'm gonna assume they just said, "Do you want a shot at Tyron Woodley?" And he said, "Give me 20 million dollars." And they said, "No." Let's um, see him fight Pagano
0: d- in a couple months. Yeah,
2: they're trying to they're trying to get that fight. Let's not even kid ourselves. Don't f- ble- fuck this Tony Ferguson shit. All right, that's not happening. Tony Ferguson getting elbow surgery is a real opportunity for us to read in about a week or two. Tony's hurt. Well, I guess Connor's gonna fight Nate Diaz on Super Bowl weekend. Watch. All right, if that happens, I don't want anybody to be even a little bit surprised. Um, I mean, can the, we just I don't, get Connor
0: I, and GSP out of the way? Can we just get that out of the way?
2: GSP can't keep food down, man. He's going to go down to 145. That's what this is all explaining to. He's going to get to 155 when it's all done. He's winning all the belts, right? He's, He's just getting, jumping around. connor has
0: got that belt.
2: Um, yeah, I don't think this is really happening. I hope it's not really happening. I really don't have any interest in it happening. I watched Pacquiao's last fight. He kind of got jobbed. If I'm not mistaken, right? Like he won. Everybody thought he won. Then he got dicked because the guy was Australian and the fight was in Australia. It's your for me to
0: say this being a Filipino, but he deserved that. I think I was
2: talking to you. I'm like, yo, are you watching this? You're like, no, fuck that. <laughs> like you were just done. <laughs> um, compared to the time us watching in Seattle outside of a bar window when it's like 35 degrees to watch Pacquiao fight Marquez.
0: <laughs> I mean, that was that was just cold. He got like knocked out through the ropes. They. Cut to like his screaming, crying wife. That was just cold.
2: I just, I remember, I remember that too, because I remember thinking, like, man, like, it's cold. How how long, how long are we going to be out here? I'm looking over at Mark, like, I don't care that much. And <laughs> when he got knocked out, I was like, oh, thank goodness. We get to go home. <laughs> we'll go back inside. Um, Yeah, I don't buy it. I think we're going to end up with Nate and Connor. I still think that we're going to end up with Nate and Connor. That's just, I've been saying that for, uh, then again, I mean, I've been saying that for a year. It hasn't happened. So. I hope so
0: this is a long way saying that one of conor mcgregor's biggest marks talking about myself i'm coming off of it a bit and it's a bit disappointing
2: um yeah marcus what do you think we're gonna get i mean do you think do you think this is real
1: um i mean really with conor you, you really can't say anything that's definitive because i mean on this very podcast for many months we kept saying that this floyd conor thing's a bunch of bullshit it's never gonna happen it's literally impossible he has a ufc contract and lo and behold you know conor gets it done and We've also talked about, you know, where does Conor go after that fight? Because that was kind of like the pinnacle. It was like the biggest freak show fight. And I think, you know, Pacquiao would be a big draw and it would get people interested and excited again. But it won't be like the Floyd fight, right? Because now we've already seen Conor box, you know, that the big mystery there has been solved. We've seen what he can do. And, you know, Pacquiao is not as big as Floyd was because, I mean, they Floyd and Pacquiao fought and Floyd won. So, but at the same time, it was always hard for me to imagine Conor going back to the UFC after having such a big, high-profile fight. I just couldn't imagine him getting one, the same paycheck, right? He'd be taking less money. And it, it didn't seem like that was ever part. It seems like Conor has always had these goals. And the goals were never like, I'm going to stay in the UFC and defend my belt more than you know Anderson Silva and now Mighty Mouse. It was always like, I'm going to get this belt. And now I'm going to be champion in two divisions. Now are not the biggest boxing match in the whole world. And, and, and the motivation has always been, I'm going to cash out big. And now the motherfucker is cashed out big. And where's the drive? We don't know. Does he still have it? He has a kid now. He has a shit ton of money. He doesn't need to fight, right? He could probably sustain himself on that money if he's smart with it and he doesn't just blow it and do stupid stuff like we see Floyd do. We've seen a lot of athletes get a shit ton of money and they blow it and then they have to come back to, to whatever their sport is or find some way to make money again. If Conor's smart, he can probably sustain himself on what he's made in these fights and not have to fight again. Now it kind of comes back to that thing where, like, does he have that motivation? Is he a fighter's fighter where it drives him to go to the gym and train? And he needs to have an opponent in, in his sights to kind of motivate him to get up early, to do the jogs, to do the hard workouts. I don't know. You know, I think, you know, Boss Rudin a long time said, you know, when you're young, you're motivated by being the best in the world. And when you get a little bit older, you're just motivated by money. And now we've seen Conor capture both. And I just don't know where the motivation is. You know, I mean, he seems like he's been fairly kind of quiet since the Floyd fight. I mean, he's still talking and stuff, you know, potentially about this. I didn't even hear about this Pacquiao angle. But I just don't know where his head his head's at. And I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, if we also this-
2: got, we got, I mean, the famous quote from Marvin Hagler, man. It's tough to get out of bed to do road work at 5 a.m. when you've been sleeping in silk pajamas.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I think it's it's a thing a lot of fighters have said because it's very true, right? When you're young and hungry and you just want to prove to the world that I'm the baddest motherfucker out there, that's motivation right there. And you have an opponent in your sights and you're training hard, that gets you up in training. But once you've kind of proven or you have this you know, aura around you that you are the best and you're banking a lot of money, What is that motivation? I think we talk about it with a lot of fighters. You know, is the motivation still there with Mighty Mouse? Is it still there with Anderson Silva when he's at the top or GSP? And now Connor's kind of been, you know, at the top, especially in the financial realm. You know, he's skyrocketed over a lot of these guys. I just don't know where his head's at, really. And, you know, personally, I want to see him go back to the UFC and just say, like, look at, You know, my star was bright. My star was shining bright. I knew I could make this Floyd Mayweather thing happen. I wanted to do it. I wanted to test myself in that arena. I've done that, and now I really want to dominate in mixed martial arts, you know, where I got my bread buttered. And I'd love to see that because Conor is an amazing talent. I would hate to see it squandered because he made a bunch of cash, and now he's done. If that's what he wants to do, though, I can't blame the guy for it at all. I mean, we only get one life to live. and I Man, think uh, we just want, want resolution, to- man. That's what we need. We'll some fucking
2: resolution, man. Sure, I, want yeah. I, don't want to- I don't want I don't want – I look, li- I'd rather him fight. But I just – don't be a champion, yeah. And I you know what? Point... fucking GSP held that bout for like a month and said, I'm done,
1: I can't, I'm not gonna hold this up. And I think at this point, at least for me, like the divisions have moved on now without Connor, right? Like Featherweight, it's doing his own thing. I love to see him fight Max again and kind of solidify things. But if he just wanted to fight Nate Diaz, and then GSP without titles and stuff, I'm down for that too because I don't think the divisions need him as the, the mainstay anymore. But if he wanted to hold those belts again, I'm all for it because the dude had an amazing talent, especially for MMA, where I think, you know, a lot of his skill set can really shine. In boxing, he can't get the same looks because he can't throw kicks. You know, he can't fake takedowns. The other guys can't shoot on him. It's a completely different sport. We, we You know, we dissected to agnosium at this point. But I want to see Conor back. I mean, in an idealist world, I want to see him back. I don't think he'll ever go back to 45 because I can't see him trying to make that weight cut at this point. but. I want to see him at 55 I want to see him at 70 if he thinks he can do it and you know that's what I hope I can't even begin to try to fathom what is actually gonna happen with Connor because he seemingly can make the impossible happen right so if he has a weird dream where he wants to go fight for glory not that he ever would but if he want to do something crazy I feel like this dude can because he just has that kind of powerful mind and will to just get shit done that he wants so I don't know if fighting's still in the cards. I really hope it is. Because I think they're I want to see him and Ferguson fight. I want to see him and Habib fight. I want to see him fight Nick Diaz. I'd love to see him and GSP or even a bunch of the guys at 170, you know, lock horns. And just let's really see what this guy's made out of. Because we know he's hot shit. He sliced through the UFC so well, you know, until he hit the Nate Diaz roadblock. And I just want to see, can he maintain that? You know, does this guy have the staying power to be greatest of all time? Because at this point, if he hung it up. I can't say that really, right? Like, he might be in the conversations, but getting those belts is one thing. It's it's a completely different game to be at, at the top of that mountain for years and clear out a division like Mighty Mouse has. That's the stuff that really tests your metal because the motivation, like I mentioned before, kind of wilts a little bit. You have that belt. You've had that belt for a while, and now it's just killers coming after you. Can you fend them off? How long can you fend them off? How long can your body maintain the kind of hardship that MMA – draws on a person and these are kind of things I like to see Connor test himself with but at this point he doesn't have to right I think a lot of people that that go through that kind of rigmarole they do it because I need to make money right like not only you know I have enough money to live off here but I'm trying to make a you know family and I'm trying to you know provide for people make sure they don't have to you know struggle so there's you know financial motivations like we saw with Mighty Mouse you know he's still financially driven he wants to make more money because honestly he's not making that much for what he's accomplished so I just it really for me. It's just, we'll, I will have where to say see.
2: That. We gotta see how this plays out. I just yeah. that was just fucking. I I saw that and I was like, "Fuck this! I'm not paying for that." I was with staff. Fuck this. It's just I don't want to see. I don't. I don't like boxing that much. My thing I like is gonna be a boxing match, but like I don't want to see a guy not not a good boxer box. He is not it, good. He's can I average, t- maybe. <laughs> can Can I chime
0: in the the thing that added the biggest tarnish to Connor for me? Because um, I don't think I was around to comment on it when it was happening. When that dude, when Connor doubled down and shit on Mark Goddard, who I hold as the best referee in MMA right now, that was a bad look. That, yeah, that was. That, that's what hurt Connor the most in my eye was like, that's the best guy we got. That is the best guy we have refereeing the sport right now, and I still stand by that. I think Mark Goddard's a tremendous referee.
2: Um. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's make some picks quick because. Bambling, uh, rambling about this guy for like 10 minutes about a fight that's not going to happen because this is what we do now. And we star about power, baby.
0: Star power.
2: Um, alright. Uh. UFC on Fox. I like this card. There's a bunch of fights I'm interested in. UFC on Fox coming to you from Winnipeg. Um, I'm from Winnipeg, you idiot. That was a Jericho reference for you. Winnipeg makes good wrestlers, man. Jericho, Kenny Omega, others. Um, I think Don Callis, maybe Cyrus the Virus. Um, all right, Robbie Lawler, Rafael Dos Anjos. See, this is how you main event a fucking fight night. No title fight, but it's a goddamn banger. All right, last one's a banger too, but this one maintains itself a little bit. Robbie Lawler, um, he's had he just has the one fight since he lost his belt, right? He fought uh, Cowboy. Yeah, um, he beat Cowboy. I thought he won all three rounds. At minimum, he won two rounds. That'd be the Robbie Lawler move right there. Um, Taking on Rafael Dos Anjos, who uh, has moved up to 170 since losing his belt and then losing to Tony Ferguson. Um, Tarek Safadine, he beat him. um, And then he went through Neil Magny real quick. Just hot knife through butter. Um, This is a tough one. Robbie Lawler is coming into this fight as... Honestly, to pick him, um, Mike, who's on the show, um, as we mentioned, Asia. Um, Mike has Mike says he's going with uh, Rafael Dos Anjos. Um Marcus, what do you got, brother? What happened to Marcus?
0: Uh, it looks like he dropped for a moment. Mark, okay, Stefan, what do you got? That <laughs> was too high pressure of a pick for him, but um, yeah, for me, I'm picking Robbie. Um, you know my story, same old song and dance. I chronically undervalue.
2: Steph, you're blocking R- your microphone a little bit.
0: Oh, I I am known to undervalue RDA quite a bit. Um, I never truly believe in him, and even though he, like you said, he, he cut right through um, Neil Magny. Neil Magny is a real back ten gatekeeper. Um, I think Robbie is a different level. I, I'm still waiting for RDA to just look too small for this weight division, which I I still expect to happen. I, I just, even though I never felt safe with Robbie as champion, right? We always kind of thought like, oh, he's eventually gonna lose. You know, I I didn't expect it to be Woodley. I just didn't expect that reign to be long either. But I I just have I can, I can never bring myself to really commit to RDA as a believer. So I'm
1: going with Robbie. Um, Marcus.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, Back sorry now, about got
1: that. I I'm like one... Marcus, your pick, and I'm like, where the fuck did he go? I went to unmute um, myself and I clicked some button that closed the window. It was weird. Um. Yeah, this is a really tough fight, and I'm going with Robbie as well. I just I feel like he kind of gets how to get decisions now, right? Like he knows like I just got to win that first round, take the second round off, and then come back strong in the third. Um, and I think he can do it here. I think Dos Anjos is of caliber where Robbie could still get away with it and could still compete at a high level, but it is going to be a tough fight. And I think if Dos Anjos utilizes certain skill sets that he does have, especially low kicks. I think you can definitely slow down robbie and make it tougher for him to have a really strong finish this fight um i am going with robbie but uh dosanios has looked great at 170 and, and like steph said too i i'm kind of waiting you know I, I figure at some point or maybe it was you bobby i'm sorry you know i mentioned it or maybe it was i can't remember. um that i'm trying to you know at some point isn't dosanios gonna look a little small for this weight division and that that may be the case at some point but robbie's not really the guy to do that right he, you're going to get someone where he looks small when he's a grappler, right? When they're in the clinch together, when he's on top of them. And Robbie really wants to fight you at range. So I don't think that's going to be a big factor. So it's really like, for me, is it, Dos Anjos uses kicks. I think he has a great chance of winning this fight. If he just tries to, 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 you know, stand there and bang with Robbie, I think Robbie still has the sluggers advantage here. I think in the pocket, he's a little crisper. He kind of know he has more variety of strikes when it comes to, you know, sitting in the pocket and throwing uppercuts and big hooks and going to the body as well. Um, so I, I do like Robbie in this one, but I think at the same time, we all have to kind of think at some point, the Lawler it has to slow down a little bit more than what we saw when he was a champion. And and maybe that's coming sooner than we think, and maybe it's in this fight, but I'm not ready to give up on Lawler just yet.
2: Uh, I think Robbie Lawler's getting knocked out. Um, he's not going to take a round. Rafael DeSanios just puts his foot on the gas. That's how he fights. Robbie's going to take the round round two off. He's going to get beat up an all of round two. I got. I think Dos Anjos is going to win. And it takes... I mean, Robbie Lauder might knock him out. I think it's going to be awesome. Um, this is a five-round fight.
1: Oh, my Who God. I Anos. forgot about that. Dos Anjos. <laughs> <laughs> I totally... Because I was thinking, like, he can do three. He can do three Five
2: rounds. I'm going Dos Anjos, man. Dos Anjos and uh, Tony
1: Ferguson went a hard 25 you know in Mexico City. Y'all do this to stick me, man. With Robbie, because yeah. I feel, because even with your analysis, Bob, and I think you can absolutely be right. You know, I don't think I don't think picking Dos Anjos is foolish or anything like that. What I do like, even getting reminded that it's a five round fight, is that Robbie, he, the strategy is kind of the same, but he he is able to. Keep some of that shit in reserve, and if Dos Anjos oh, if the
2: hard, fifth round, Robbie Lawler is the best fighter in the goddamn world. Yeah, man. <laughs>
1: if Dos Anjos does go hard for those first couple rounds. You know, let's it'll be interesting. Let's say that if it goes to the fifth, I'm going to be real interesting to see if Robbie keeps something in reserve to really push hard because that's always been his strategy in his championship fights is to kind of let the guy tire himself out and that fifth round show the judges that I'm the best fighter there. So yeah, a tough fight to pick. Um, man, I totally forgot it was five rounds. That does kind of change the whole thing, but I'm still going to go with Robbie. But yeah, great fight, S- Steph. Did you get if you didn't if you didn't know it was five was, rounds? Did you get more excited
2: that it is five rounds? Because I got more excited when I realized that just now. <laughs> it's the main event. I knew it was five rounds. How do I know? Dude, I know forgot. That the main I got Five rounds.
0: I got hype, man. I was. Uh, <laughs> I still like Robbie because, like I said, I forever undervalue RDA. I never bought him as champion. I never bought him on the. Steph, moon. turn towards your camera. I I I I always I I I sell. What is it? Buy high, sell no sell. Whatever the expression is, I am just never been an RDA believer.
2: Um, okay. The rest of these fights, far less analysis, please. Uh, Josh Emmett, Ricardo Lamas it was supposed to be Jose Aldo and uh, Ricardo Lamas. Um, it's not. We're all picking Ricardo Lamas. Let's not even waste our time here. Josh Emmett's a good fighter, though. Anybody got a reason not to? Anybody got a reason to pick him? Though he's twelve no. and one out of Alpha Male.
1: Just not, not yet. familiar enough with him to not really... yet. Yeah. I hear, yeah, we can't
0: I I, I keep hearing Llamas and Win is the next best matchup for Ortega and that makes sense to me.
2: Yeah. Uh Mike Perry, Santiago Ponzanibio. Um Mike Scott, Platinum Mike. Um Steph,
0: I'm willing to be wrong, but forever against Mike Perry will I be Ponzanibio.
1: So I got Ponzanibio too. <laughs> Mark? <laughs> uh yeah, I'm going with uh Harry. Uh, with Mike here Um, I'm looking at uh, it's really that Santiago like I see that name he's the favorite I see that name and I just can't place a face and I look at his record and I'm like oh shit this is some good stuff here but eh I'll still go with with the guy we all love to hate or just hate him because he's easy to hate Uh, Mike Perry Uh, I like his fights man all of his fights are entertaining for me (laughs) yeah I mean uh, not I think San Diego this might be one of those fights I'm like okay Next time I see this guy's name pop up, I really got to pay attention because I've been wrong a couple times. I'm almost positive I picked Gunnar Nelson in the, in, the, in the fight that he won because why would I pick this guy um, against Gunnar? So, kind of like it was Steph RDA, this is a guy that's kind of been off my radar even though I've seen him fight. It's just something that doesn't flash. And maybe when he beats Mike Perry, I'll finally kind of put the dots and be like, oh, yeah, I shouldn't bet against this guy. He's a winner.
2: Uh, Glover Teixeira. My man, Misha Serkinov. Um, Mike's got, Go- got uh, Teshera. I'm going to just hope t- t- fucking Misha Serkinov wins because I'm not, like, terribly interested in watching Daniel Cormier. <laughs> ah, You know what? Fuck it. Yeah, I still got Misha Serkinov. He's younger.
0: I'd be better for everybody. Stefan? Uh, I'm going to take Glover. I've come down on Serkinov as a little bit of a prospect. He suffers from that case of, I'm not totally sure what he's good at. Like, I don't know what his clear thing that he asserts his will on to win. So, Glover's still kind of good at everything.
1: Uh, I got Glover. Mark. Mark. Uh Yeah, I'm going with Misha as well. Um, a lot, Damn it. <laughs> it. It's for a lot of the same reasons with you, Bob. Like, I just want to believe there is a new generation coming in that's going to be able to beat the old guard, of which I think Glover is. I mean, dude's at 38, but you look at, you know, the guys Glover loses to and they are top notch. This is kinda of like is Misha of that caliber as well? And I don't think that's a clear answer right now. And I think Glover definitely could win this fight, but I wanna believe that we're getting into new blood here and that Misha is capable of beating some of these, you know, top tier guys that are kind of on their way out, as I kind of see it.
2: Um All right, yeah, that's happening. Um memoirs of a fight fan. Um, this week, if you know, not no transitional material. Working quick here. I already have a goddamn hour long podcast. Um, we were gonna do it last week, and then I changed my mind in the middle of the show, which really didn't help Mark or Mike very much. Um, our best and worst, um, best and worst crowds we've been a part of. Um, best crowd I was a part of was, we're gonna we've been we've been to a lot of the same cards, folks. You're gonna get a lot of agreement here. Um, UFC one eight nine. I think it was Conor McGregor versus Chad Mendez. Um, Rory and Robbie was the co-main event. Um, Man, I like the Irish crowd, man. They're having a good time. Um, No one's chanting that anybody's going to die, okay? It was kind of mean when they booed the country singer, but I got it. And then, you know, he won. People were fucking stoked. Then, you know, celebrating on top of, you know, slot machines. I had a really good time with that crowd. I thought it was excellent. Um, I did not like um, the card at uh, at Arco Arena. I didn't like that crowd. Um, people just screaming for no reason, indiscriminately. Just wasn't good, man. They got hyped for like Faber and Benavides for a minute, and like, but they didn't. I mean, it was just a shitty crowd. I, for Sacramento, would really let me down. I remember thinking, like, these people have seen too many cards for this to be a bad crowd. Mine, uh, was, more like, I mean, there,
0: there were worse crowds, but that one was disappointing me, I guess, would be the best example. Speaking to that Arco crowd, when I was making my uh, kind of general point about that guy in the crowd who thinks that the crowd is there for him to practice his stand-up, I was directly referencing that Arco card. It was a Hispanic uh, heavyset man who was a couple rows in front of us, and that dude, he needed everyone to hear every one of his jokes for every 15 seconds throughout the entire course of the card. Uh, I just can't stand people like that, man. Do you have a favorite? Um, I mean, like you said, how can you deny the Irish crowd? That is such a unique spectacle. Um, another good crowd was uh, the Weidman-Ronda double co-main we saw mm. also in Vegas. That happened. Um, Vegas crowds are real hit and miss because Vegas relies on tourism. But that one also fell on the International Fight Week. So you got a lot of international fans. Um, And I just think there was good representation. You had the contingent of, like, Canadians there. You had your contingent of Brazilians. I think, uh, was it around Memorial Day? So you had... uh, The 4th of July. The 4th of July. So you had people really, you know, you had the American hype behind Weidman and Ronda. It was just a diverse crowd. I think those are, you know, really good. It's tough for me to remember the specific ones, man, but... In general...
2: it's um, Really, you gotta remember it's an incident that pissed you off is really what it is. Sure. <laughs> right. So
0: kind of just to a general point, when a crowd is good enough to appreciate good grappling, I appreciate those crowds.
1: Yeah. Marcus? Uh, yeah, I I think the favorite crowd one is tough because, I mean, the obvious one was the Connor one because it was just... That was the most electric crowd that I've ever, you know, been a part of. Uh, but And then when I kind of think like, or oh, what well, some other ones that were fun? It's always like... The crowds that get into it because the action's really good, but at the same time, it's like, well, everyone likes action, you know? Like, that doesn't necessarily make a good crowd, but, like, when we were watching Henderson in, uh Shogun, that was a great fight. The crowd was funny because, and it, it, it's one of those things that's, like, I don't necessarily, because I'm going to talk about the worst crowd, which kind of does a similar thing, but kind of in a different manner, because that was the first time they had a five-round fight for a main event, so it's understandable yeah. that... Even fans of MMA, when that third round ended and they started leaving because they want to beat traffic or whatever, it's like, no, 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 there's still two more rounds of this awesome fight. You do not want to leave yet. Um, Even Herb Dean, Herb Dean before the third round said, final round, that Dan Henderson just like, raised three fingers like, yeah, like baby, there's Dan three more. Started, baby. Dan Henderson sucking away and he goes, three. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, really, the, the Conor one really stands out the most. Um. And then maybe some other ones, like when uh, we saw um, Verdum sub Fedor, that was kind of exciting. I think a lot of people were kind of electric just to see, you know, there was a lot of hype around Fedor. And, you know, he finally lost it. So that was kind of interesting. Um, I get in the worst crowd I, we've been to, I've been to a lot of fights where, like Stefan said, you have kind of the jokers that are kind of, they, they, his analysis is right. Like, there's some people that they want the spotlight to kind of be on them a little bit. It's the reason why people call into zoo radio shows right like they don't like just listen to the show they want to be a part of the show and when it comes to an mma fight you're really not part of the show in the audience right like your responsibilities are to clap at the appropriate times and that's really fucking it everything else you probably should just shut up uh but um i guess one of my least favorite crowds is those ones that we went to in San Jose, which, you know, San Jose is a decent fight crowd. I mean, uh, Scott Coker will tell you it's like the best fight crowd. But it's really those early Kung Lee fights where he's the co-main event and he finishes his fights up and then literally like three-fourths of the arena leaves because they're all there just to see Kung Lee and nothing else. is like the main event hasn't started yet. Like, where's everyone fucking going? They're about to hit the club. I think that that kind of shows disrespect. I think it kind of sucks when you're the main event. And when you're walking out, the arena is mostly empty because Kung Lee has finished his fight. I think kind of sucks. Um, but, yeah, you know.
2: I, think I just the- want to say, like, literally the card you mentioned, Fedor and Verdum,
1: half the crowd left because Kung, Kung Lee was left, done yeah.
2: fighting in the co-main event. <laughs> yeah, I
1: mean, and there's been a lot of fights where that's happened. Right? Where, like, Kung Lee, he's not main eventing. He ends. Everyone was there to see him, and it's over. Um, I mean, to, to be fair, like, we've less, we've left cards when there's still fights on. They're mostly Bellator cards. We're going to see a bunch of guys that we don't know, and they're probably going to run fights for another three hours. Okay, the that, that's ends,
2: a, you so. can't fucking post limbs, man. Come on, that's not
1: a thing. A different limbs. a different mark would have been like, I'm going to say, I when I buy a ticket to an MMA fight, I want to see all of the MMA <laughs> These are free fights. tickets, too. <laughs> Bellator, like, they, they pack so many fights in there. You're like, you know what? I got my fill. I'm cool. Especially after a main event. It's like, I can't go back to undercard kind of fights. But, but Yeah. Every, you know, every crowd is going to have people that don't really know what's going on or that boo when it's in any, any crowd that boos is just kind of dumb, right? I mean, like if you're booing, go try to fight someone for five minutes. And when you grasp onto them, holding on for dear life, because you're exhausted, then you'll understand what these guys kind of go through in like a minuscule sense. So it's just, it's just uneducated for people to boo. I get it. It's sometimes fights aren't exciting. You know, like we've seen lots of fights that are like, if I wasn't more educated, I would want to boo too. Cause I want them to know, like, I'm not having fun right I, now.
2: I, I wanted I to boo. I wanted to boo when we were on press row and and MVP decided he doesn't want to throw punches against yeah, Fernando Gonzalez. There's
1: totally fights for real. If like, we weren't if we were on press fun. row,
2: if we weren't on press row, I'd be like, all right, time to fucking boo this dude.
1: <laughs> Fuck this guy? I'm, never gonna, I'm never gonna be a booer. I just I I, I I know what the guys are I have I have a fraction of, you know. Knowledge and know how to like actually face another human being when you're about to punch each other and been like yeah I don't want to try to punch him because he knows I'm going to try to punch him he's going to counter me and I'm going to hey man MVP MVP talks way too much shit for me to be okay
2: with him not fighting um all right let's just get going on this thing uh stuff we like um I'm gonna go first mine's pretty quick um I'm kind of disappointed in myself that we didn't talk about uh, Lomachenko and I'm gonna say this dude's name wrong uh, new name wrong uh, um, that happened this week in Madison Square Garden. Lomachenko is the fucking man, um, and he is the best boxer in the world. He is pound for pound. In my, I've never, I don't. Nobody else is better than him. The way he fights. I know GGG has a lost and all that shit. My pound for pound best fighter, and I'm not. Some I don't know boxing as well as MMA. Um, is uh, Lomachenko. He beat Rigaudeau's ass. He quit on the stool after, I think it was four rounds, and invented, I mean, I'm not going to, okay, invented, maybe, a broken hand. Um, It was six rounds. He just didn't know what to do, and Lomachenko fights literally perfect. Um, He's had his last four opponents not make it off the stool. He said he's going to change his name to Nomoschenko, which was, oh my god, I was just like, god damn, come on, that was great. Um, He's awesome. And it was on free TV, and I, I get what they're doing, where they wanna um, they're trying to sell your paper, sell you their pay per views off of their free fights, the way the UFC does. Um, Bob aram's a proper scumbag, so I'm not giving many money. Um, and this look, I knew what we were getting into. I I think people people knew what was going on here was despite Rigano being um undefeated, this there was a matchup that was not going to favor him. Um. Was set up to make uh, Lomachenko look like the bad motherfucker that he is, and he did so well done. Um, this is the boxing I'm willing to watch. I'm willing to watch the very best person box. All right, don't feed me a p- over the hill uh, Filipino legend versus uh 0-1 amateur, one uh, Irishman. All right, it's not a fight I want to see. Don't don't feed me that bullshit. Um, Marcus, you want to go? We'll end with Stefan. Is Asia yeah. adventures.
1: Um, I I think last week we were just kind of pressed for time at the end. I kind of forgot to mention some big video game stuff that went on last week. But uh, the VGAs happen, which are the video game awards, which happen every year. And then also uh, this last weekend was the PlayStation Experience, which has been happening down at Anaheim. Um, so yeah, uh, just to kind of break down those real quick. Um, VGAs is really like one fourth award show, two fourths game reveals. And then another fourth of just awkward, kind of cringeworthy announce- not like, like, announcements, and, like people talking that aren't, you know, like the whole thing is like to basically get this out there. Um, the VGAs used to be um, hosted by Spike and Viacom. It was a huge deal. They put a bunch of money behind it. Um, once Viacom didn't want to do them anymore, uh, Jeff Keeley, who's kind of been a face for MMA media and journalism for decades he still wanted to host the event, and, uh, and so he decided to do it himself, and I think that's really courageous to kind of take on this huge kind of thing to kind of host it all your own, get all the exclusives and stuff. So the events themselves are kind of – they're fun to watch in like the train, we- train wreck sense where there's just like awkward cuts to people that aren't ready to be on camera yet and just weird presenting and awkward people getting in front of there, which is kind of fun. Um, I mean, the real meat of it for people that are really into games is that they normally reveal new games, which they did um, this year, and they show trailers for some. So I just want to go over some of the stuff that was announced. Um, I think the biggest thing that was announced there was either Soul Calibur VI, um, which had been rumored before, and then Bayonetta 3 coming out exclusively for Switch, which really wasn't rumored at all. They actually showed that they're porting Bayonetta 2 and then you also get a copy of the first Bayonetta on Switch when it comes out and then a surprise announcement of Bayonetta 3. Um they announced some other games, they showed trailers for um Death Stranding, which is Kojima's next game, which is just a complete mind fuck but looks really cool. Um I'm trying to think of some other big stuff. They showed uh the the game developer for A Way Out is kind of over over passionate about games and stuff like that and he went on a huge rant. Um his game A Way Out though is really interesting and cool i love the first game he presented brothers a a tale of two sons Uh, so that was cool um it it actually exceeded my expectations for the vgas i thought they'd kind of be low-key this year um psx they came out they usually have a big showcase where it's kind of like an e3 presentation they came out ahead of it and said like we're not doing a big showcase we're going to do kind of more of a develop uh, developers panel um so lower your expectations um the development panel that they had was really kind of garbage I, i hate to say it but It's just you can't follow up the two or three years of showcases that they had and then come with what they did here. Because I think a a developer's roundtable is interesting and and could be interesting for, you know, people watching. But there was a lot of softball questions. You kind of want to get the meat of the bones, like, what's happening with God of War 3? I mean, God of War, the new God of War. I don't think it has a number on it. You know, we wanted release dates for a lot of the games they talked about, and there was really none of that. It was a lot of kind of... Just being nice to the developers, like, oh, how's the game going? Oh, it sure looks great, and your last game looked great. There's just a lot of this like kind of, you know, getting each other off on how great your games are, which is all great and good, but I wanted some hardcore, like, yeah, God of War is coming out next year in March. Dreams is coming out late next year, and there's just a lot of like, yeah, we don't know, it'll come out. It was a lot of non uh, non-stuff that they kind of showcased there, which was sad because ultimately throughout the weekend, they had a lot of cool stuff to show. Um, especially when it came to the Capcom Cup, which is a big fighting tournament they do for Street Fighter 5. Um, the big announcements there were that, um, they're doing a Street Fighter 30th anniversary, which has Street Fighter 1, all of the versions of Street Fighter 2, which is turbo, super, super turbo. Um, all three of the alpha games, 1, 2, and 3, and then the three versions of Street Fighter 3. So, I think it's 12 arcade games all in one. And they mentioned that Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo, Alpha 3 third strike and there might be another game in there um we're all going to be playable online so that stuff was really cool they showcased all the um characters that are going to come on the next season of street fighter uh five and then earlier in the week they also announced i think it was actually last week we should talk about with mike uh, Mega Man 11 was announced as well so there's i mean for a weekend these weekends are usually just dynamite there's so much cool stuff it's usually because playstation brings it hard for playstation event um it, it wasn't as big as it used to be but a lot of you know a lot of stuff kind of came out of those events um and just to wrap it up a uh, couple games coming out this week i'm kind of interested in uh, gang beast which has been on pc in early access literally for like four or five years is finally getting an official release it's also coming out on ps4 um and i'm also excited they're re-releasing uh okami which came out on ps2 there's an hd remaster of that um coming out for ps4 pc and xbox one so that kind of does it for me this week those are things i like and i hope you like them too.
0: I like a Mark.
2: And maybe I'll Sorry. chime in with one of Stefan's Sorry, things, 'cause we I accidentally uh, I accidentally uh hit the mute button there, buddy. Sorry. Um I like the uh and you might too. I enjoy that. that. Um Stefan, um floor is yours, brother.
0: Um yeah, I you know, if you guys listen to the show, you know I've been gone for like three weeks or so. Uh I was basically in Asia since about early mid November. Um, I went to Japan, the Philippines, and uh, my final destination was a brand new one. Um, it's not as commonly on people's lists, uh, Cambodia. So, um, I mean, I think you guys all get the gist of why we all like Japan. That's the same Philippines. That's my motherland ancestry and everything. So I always got my ties back there. Um, so rather than kind of, you know, go over the whole course of my uh, tr- trip for the podcast, I thought I would just figure I'd focus on Cambodia because Cambodia was one of the least expect lowest like expectations I had for going to a place but a place that I so supremely enjoyed going to um it's just not high on the list for a lot of people and you'll know that's just a way of life because it's not easy getting a flight there you have to take connector after connector i had to fly down to Kuala Lumpur which is the wrong direction to get a flight there it's it's not the easiest place to fly into um but it's it's a beautiful country. Um, first off, they take American dollars, so they make it nice and easy for you. But uh, it's one of those countries when you go to, the exchange rate is crazy, so it just makes sense that they take uh, American dollars, or at least it makes it easier. Uh, their 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 money is called Cam Camariel, and I believe the exchange rate while I was there was four thousand and seventy to one U.S. dollar. So thank God I did not have to do that kind of math when buying things but um it was just a really fun time and i was actually shocked the amount of western tourists that travel there is pretty through the roof um but i think it's probably because of the main reason i went there and that is this ancient temple city called angkor wat uh it's a giant hindu temple that i think was built in the year like six or seven hundred and um first off the amazing thing is that's just one of like 40 temple sites there's a whole lot of them like that in Cambodia to go to. But Angkor Wat is the biggest. It's the most massive. Um, and interestingly enough, they are going to severely limit the tourism to it uh, sometime next year in 2018. And when you go there, sadly, you kind of see why. People have carved their initials into the stones. People have written in the walls on Sharpie. Like, you see tourists just spitting everywhere. And Did you see my- the bullet holes? Oh, man. People are the worst. People. Are... No, no, I mean, the bullet holes from,
2: like, the war. From, like, when, like, the uh, Khmer Rouge and the uh, yeah the you, Vietnamese you, you were s- throwing down and you, stuff. You
0: see some damage like that. You see looters mm-hmm. who have cut the heads off of uh, some of the stat, the Buddhist statues to, like, sell and everything. Like, the fact that this place is in the beautiful condition it is for being, again, built in, like, the year 600 is amazing. But you see the handprint of man on it. And, oh my god, just... I am fortunate, being of a brown complexion, that no matter what country I travel to, people just think I'm a local. When I'm in Thailand, they think I'm Thai. When I'm in Cambodia, they think I'm Cambodian. Hell, when I'm in Mexico, they think I'm Mexican. Like, I kind of just pass. So, when you get to see abrasive American tourists in another country, oh man, the sense of shame is quite high. But, um... You know, and you mentioned it, Bob. The the Khmer Rouge, who was a dictator regime there. I, I got to go to some cultural museums. Um, and if Mike was here, I would tease him about being a giant bummer about talking about his museum trip. I, I know. No one wants to hear about the darkness. But I do have to say, if you're a history buff whatsoever, look into the history of Cambodia. Because if you grew up in America like us, we get a very Eurocentric view of world history. You know, we... We don't really get told about the atrocities that happened in Asia. And I mean, the one statistic I'll share, which was just crazy for me to read, 80% of the Cambodian population was born after the year 1979. That is amazing to me. That's how young the population of this country is. Um, the country is landlocked. Uh, it, it, it's bordered by Laos and Vietnam and Thailand, and they have had constant conflicts on their borders. Um it's a very common scene you see in parts of Eastern and Central Europe that there are countries that are just battlegrounds, right? Because there's more powerful nations that surround them on all sides, and they're just this middle country in between. And unfortunately, that's the sad history of Cambodia between Thailand and Vietnam. And um, it's just a constantly shrinking country. Uh, they We talked about they were they used to be 58 provinces, and now they're 26 provinces. Like there is just constant assault on their borders. Um, but that doesn't stop it from being a beautiful country, incredibly hospitable, warm people, amazingly delicious food, beautiful country We saw this floating village, a village that is just completely exists on the water that everyone gets everywhere via boat. Like, you know, it's, it's just amazing to see how people of the world live. You know, um, I highly recommend that country. Uh, if you like to party, the later it goes, the cheaper the drinks get. We started at three dollar cocktails. By the end of the night, it was one dollar shots. So, um,
2: man, was, I had it, like this. Lot, I had this. I was thought you were gonna with how, end with how beautiful it was, and I was gonna say, "See, Cambodia, not just for sex tourism." And you're leaning into the booze, and it's getting cheaper as the night goes on. I'm like, you should end it with the beauty. My life. <laughs> it's works a better. Hey,
0: hey, yeah. There's working girls there, but there's a lot of regular people too. Party. It might be hard for you to tell the difference, but there's a difference. I'll give it that.
2: <laughs> um, Steph, do you want to save oh, other stuff, or do you want to say...
0: I'll type in on the America stuff, because I got to pitch it, because it's been in theater for two weeks. The Disaster Artist is the funniest movie I have seen of the year. It is completely based on this cult movie called The Room, which is famous for being the best-slash-worst movie of all time, and boy, is it the worst movie of all time, but it's, it's the standard benchmark of uh so bad, it's good. Um, Franco nails it. I saw he got a Best Actor in a Comedy or Musical nomination from the Golden Globes, so he's getting some recognition for this, and I think deservedly so. Um, you don't need to see a lot, whether you've seen The Room or not, as my dog starts squeaking her toy. Um, all you need for context is look up CinemaSins, Everything Wrong with The Room in Eight Minutes. That'll give you all the context you need to know about this movie. If you want to see the original before you see it, go ahead. It's hilarious. It's the type of movie that has midnight screening so crowds can laugh at it together. Um, And then on top of that, me and Mark saw Justice League together. And I will say this. The DC Universe is significantly worse than the Marvel Universe. But this is the next best DC movie after Wonder Woman. It is hands down better than Batman vs. Superman, Man of Steel, and Sue a Squad, in my eyes. Those movie were garbage, as Mark would say. Justice League has a lot of issues, and they're issues I associate with every movie Zack Snyder has ever made. There's just certain things he doesn't know how to do in movies, and that remains consistent here, but it was entertaining enough for my two hours. I was good with it.
2: Man, Man of Steel was not as bad as the other two movies. Not saying it was good. Just, those other two were worse.
0: Like I said... Zack Snyder just has problems as a filmmaker, and that he doesn't <laughs> seem to understand. Chief, most of that he doesn't think he needs to read or understand who these characters are when he makes a movie. He's like, I, I want to see, I, I want to see, I want to see
2: his cut of the movie. By the way, there's a, like I mean, they should put that out because I know he had
1: to leave. Right, was not a thing. Yeah, I think Josh Whedon took over for him or finished it up yeah. or something. But I mean, yeah. there's something weird about the DC movies because even though they are bad, and I, I think they are kind of you know bad movies i still like after i see them i kind of want to i want to see them again like give them another shot even though i watched them I'm like yeah, that batman for superman was not good and suicide squad was not good Wonder woman i think was good um but there's just like especially in justice league i don't want to spoil too much because i know bob hasn't seen it but there's just some it's not even just like dialogue that's poor it's just like plot devices are just like th- there's one scene that's just like well that just was dumb that was just poor writing right there. When something happened and like it was basically it was it was basically off screen like, oh no, that thing happened. We we screwed up, Oops. Like that's just like, no, that's bad writing. Um, but there's I think at the end of the day, what they do well in Justice League is like it has good characters, right? Like I wanna see more of those characters and they do it in Justice League too, like I wanna watch that. And I think if that's kind of their goal is just to get you to like these movies enough to give them another shot. I think this does a better job than uh, you know, Suicide Squad did. Or even Batman for Superman. Um, it, it's definitely better than those movies. It doesn't quite hit those peaks um, that Wonder Woman did. And I think it's mostly just because, like, that actress, what's her name? Gal Gadot, like, she just steals those scenes. Like, when she's on camera, it's like you just listen to her and it's just like, yeah, you're fucking awesome. This is really good stuff. And she still has those moments. Like, every time she's talking in Justice League, I'm like, fuck, I like this character a lot. I want to see more of this. I wish the other characters around her were as cool and interesting as she is because they're kind of not and it's kind of like she's just like talking to like you know puppets and stuff but i don't know it's you can just like when you see that it's like they have a lot of good pieces of the puzzle here they're just not arranging them right and having seen good superhero movies you know that that can be done and you know what that's like and you're just like ah they're getting closer they're getting closer to putting all those pieces together and having a really strong story with really fun characters because they have pieces like aquaman's kind of cool and flash i think does a good job in kind of getting you to kind of care about its character but it's kind of like ben his batman is still kind of dry superman's still dry cyborg was for me the character's like if they can get me on board with cyborg because he's not really the comic relief then i know they kind of have something here and they don't really do it that well you know like i He's kind of interesting, but he doesn't really grab me like some of those other characters do. So they're getting it together. You know, they're getting closer and closer to having a really strong kind of cinematic universe, if you will. They're just still stumbling over a few things. And it's definitely kind of in the writing department and in the character development. And you feel like they can get that right. Right. There's a lot of examples of how to do that right out there right now in the same kind of genre. It's like, look at what Marvel's doing. Don't copy them because we don't need carbon copies of that stuff. But look at the kind of aspects of those characters that, you know, mesh well and people like and try to evolve off that. And I feel like some of this kind of like dark moody, you know, not much touched on when they kind of speak like Superman and Batman. When they talk, they don't really say they don't say stuff that projects their personality that much. And the kind of times they attempt to do that, it just doesn't land well.
0: Just to chime in, Mark, real quick. This isn't gonna be—it's not gonna be much of a spoiler, Bob, but it's gonna be talk about a specific scene that happened. You say don't copy them, but then, oh, did I cringe a little? Justice League's opening—it copies them. The cell phone footage—that's right. Spider-Man: Homecoming just happened to, for them to start with a little uh, cell phone footage video blog thing. Granted, it's it's kids talking to Superman, but that little that opening was a reshoot too that was one of the reshoot scenes yeah. that they did. So that was a new scene they added. And that was like, okay, we just saw Marvel do this.
1: That's a little on the nose. But and uh, I mean, I think even more importantly, that 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 joke and that scene doesn't really land. It didn't land for me at all. Like these little kids are interviewing Superman and they're kind of trying to make them cute, asking silly questions and having them have a little like sidebars. Like he, the kid asks like, oh, I ever beat a rhino. And like, the other kid's like, hey, shut up. And he's like, but the rhinos are like the best animal. And it's just like, yeah I see what you're trying to do here. The writing's not there for that because it doesn't it doesn't really feel like little kids kind of talking. It kind of feels like a scriptwriter writing a script trying to enact like oh what what would cute little kids say to Superman and none of it just feels authentic like Marvel does right like when when Peter Parker is doing his vlog, it seems so authentic to that character and just like the way he acts throughout i mean of course that was a main character doing these are just like you know side characters these little kids, but it's just like Yeah, you can see the quality bars just not lining up there. Like, I want them to look at them and do something better, but ultimately, you know, something different, but ultimately better, you know, and now they're just trying to doing the same thing. And that kind of scene is not landing. So it's unfortunate.
2: All righty, kids. We'll be back next week. We're going to talk. Is there a fucking card next weekend? Isn't next weekend like Christmas? There's no card,
1: right? Uh, the weekend after. This one, uh, yeah, I think it might be a break, and then they do the pay-per-view, but I'm not positive. Hey, if
0: I was MMA, I would not want to fuck with Star Wars Weekend, either.
1: That's
0: um,
2: weekend. they they do have a card this weekend. It's on Saturday, which I'm realizing well, they, now they we are, bought tickets.
0: They are foolish for fucking with Star Wars
2: Weekend. Alright, I'm gonna have to find out. I'm gonna have to DVR this thing on my parents' TV, then log into that shit. Because I want to see the main event, at minimum. It's a good card. It's a good card. Um, alright guys, we'll be back next week, um... Thank you all for listening. Steph's back. Mike should be back next week. He's not actually in Asia. I don't think. Um, He'll be back next week, though. We'll have a full house, God willing. Um, We'll probably talk about Star Wars. Considering, you know, the three of us here. (laughs) Considering I bought, while sitting in traffic, I bought tickets for all three of us to see this movie. Um I mean, we're gonna talk
1: about that considering the fact that we all, we are all definitely gonna see that movie, and we don't know if we're all definitely gonna see the fights there's a better chance we'll talk more about it. <laughs> next <laughs> next week is the star wars
0: episode get ready everybody.
2: mark's gonna mark's gonna d v r and we're all going to mark's house. that's what's happening all right, guys back next week as we mentioned, thanks again for listening really appreciate it um and uh fuck where's our entrance music? where's our exit music all right peace out see ya
0: later